Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, I'm Brother Ali. Fight Diggy, Tribe Call Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles P the Ghost. This is Ab Soul. This is K.O. And you listening to the Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Hey. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong. It's your boy, Chetto, and thank you for listening to the Come Up Show podcast. You might have missed us last Wednesday and wondered what happened to the Come Up show. I apologize for that. I had some technical issues with my computer and I do not like being inconsistent. So as a thank you for being a fan, I am releasing a double dose of the Come Up Show podcast today. This episode you're listening with right now is with the homie Quake Matthews. In the second interview today, I'm releasing with the homie Saba from Chicago. He's listed as a top artist to see in 2015 he's coming to toronto in may and if you heard chance the rapper's mixtape acid rap he's on a track called everybody something back to my episode the homie quake matthews from halifax nova scotia he flew down to toronto during the weekend of the king of the dot blackout five to support pat stay who's battling against sharon we talked about the shout out quake got from drake the fourth studio album rap music the story of how his producer and drummer got signed to waka flaka and so much more Enjoy. So you got your buzz as a battler at age 15 over 11 years ago, and now you're in Toronto for King of the Dot Blackout Weekend. What do you think, uh, how are you feeling so far about the growth of the battle scene and uh, King of the Dot being in the premier leading league in the world, like basically leading it, man? How, how are you feeling? Uh, I think it's incredible. Like, I've always been a huge battle fan. And like you said, I started battling, so I will always be a huge battle fan. And it's just, uh, I think the growth has just been incredible to see what it's went from. And now it's, you got worldwide artists such as Drake, you know, supporting it. And you got big names, everybody participating. And even to see it from like, it used to be the outside venue where just a circle of people around. Now it's big theaters and seating and, you know, it's just great to see that it came so far. And I'm just happy to be here, happy to be a part of it. It's the first night uh, you witnessed tonight as the second night. Uh, what did you think of last night on Saturday? I thought it was incredible. Uh, you know, some of these guys, it was my first time seeing them battle in person. And, it's, you know, the video is always, is one thing watching the video, but to actually see the stage performance in person is, is really, you can't compare it to it. And it's, it's incredible. And uh, I just want to say the battle of the night, Bishop surprised me. Bishop versus Arsenal. I won't give too much away, but it's crazy. That's awesome. Uh, so speaking of Drake and the press release, uh, you know, uh, he shouted you out. He said, shout out Quick Matthews and Summertime Win at the press release. And uh, tell me about that. Were you there or you just saw this and what happened? Yeah, I was I was there. I was yeah. sitting in the back row. And to be honest, it was it was a long night. So it was kind of like, man, is this going to wrap up? Because we want to kind of just get out and party or get out and do something. So we were just sitting there in the back row. And it was, I think, the very last question of the night is where he said that. You look happy. Like you did in a Quake Matthews summertime win. Like so I kind of just like stood up like, did he just really just say that? Like it was kind of like in disbelief. And like, I don't know if I, I don't know if my facial expression was super overly happy, like a, like a schoolgirl or something. But I quickly realized there's uh, cameras everywhere and people are watching me. So I played it off kind of cool. But yeah, it was, it was good. He doesn't have to do that, man. And that just goes to show you that humbleness still does exist at the highest level. So I, I watched the video for some time when 
uh, I'm not sure if you've seen it the past couple of days, but uh, in the comment section is like Drake brought me here as well. A couple of people no like, commented on the video. They're like Drake brought me here. No way, that's crazy. I did. You know what? I was talking to Classified on the phone uh, after it happened the day after, yeah. and he's like, "Do you think that will like influence YouTube views or iTunes?" And I was like, "You know what? I didn't even think about that. Like, I have no idea." Mm-hmm. But you're saying it did. I didn't even look at it. That's crazy. I'll have to check that out. So uh, I want to talk about that song specifically because you talk about it uh, a couple of times throughout the album of you know how many girls it got you to, you know, going pop means making more money. What what did that song do for you? Summertime when like what did it do for you, Quake Matthews, when it came out, and what was the influence and impact of it? I think the impact was positive and negative. There was some like the core Quake Matthews fans were almost like, "What are you doing? Like this is not you. Like why are you turning pop? Uh, I'm disappointed in you." But then the other people that normally wouldn't listen to a Quake Matthews were like, you know, finally I can play. I have a song where I can play in the car with my girlfriend. And she doesn't tell me to turn it off or it's too hard or too aggressive. And and I think just a lot of wider audience got to hear who I was. And even if it was that song that hooked them in, they can still see the rest of my material after they're drawn in. And it was the first song that really had a national radio play. And yeah, it was just I think just brought a, a different audience to me. So since you had a taste of that, is it, uh, you know, do you want to make more songs like that are more, you know, mainstream type of sound? Is it the success and the attention that you receive? Maybe, I don't know if you got some, the SoCan checks with that just yet, but uh, is it kind of captivating or does it want to like make you do a few more songs that are more mainstream or radio appealing? Um, Not really. I I, I don't think it's really for me. I think there is a more happy medium way to do that without maybe compromising so much. But I, I don't feel like it was a huge compromise. Like, everyone likes to have fun in the summertime and drink, and it was an upbeat song. And I had one of my good friends on the hook, Dylan Guthrow. So it's not like I reached out to some mainstream artist and was like, okay, we need to get him on the hook, and, and we have to do, use this beat. Like, that was a song we made organically, me, Corey LaRue, the producer, and Dylan, just mm-hmm. three friends sitting in a room. And it, mm-hmm. that song just happened to come out. So it was organic, and it was natural. So it wasn't really... You know what I mean? I don't. I don't think it was too forced. Uh, well, I watched the uh, the rap music trailer on uh, on YouTube, the video, and you say uh, before you like uh, an artist's music, you have to first like them as a person. Uh, mm-hmm. So, tell me, to- tell me someone that you like as a person first, and then the- you like their music. Who who was like? What do you What do you mean by that? I know it sounds simple, but uh, can, is that is this a recent example? Because maybe in the '90s golden era, we probably. You know, we like an we hear an artist's music, and we don't really know them as a personality just like too much. We just know them off the music, and we like them. So, what did you mean by that? Uh, to be honest, it all started with the watching the Breakfast Club interviews with Charlemagne. Like, I find he really brings it, the questions out, and he doesn't hesitate to like, you know, press an artist or whatever. And I really got to see some artists' personal sides because I was a fan of that, and I watched that show, and. Like an example, for example, Machine Gun Kelly. I don't. I'm not a fan of his music. I'm a fan of him as a person in interviews. I like. I'll watch his interviews uh, mm-hmm. rather than listen to his track. And someone like that happened uh, also for me was uh, French Montana. Like usually I like you know a little bit more lyrical rap. Like you know that's my thing. I like poetic type of stuff or whatever. I was like this guy is just real cool. Like he's likable. Like you know what I mean. He cracks me up. He makes it's funny. You know what I mean. And he's smooth. And I start getting into the music and I was like, you know what? He's dope. Like I like his music now. So yeah, that's an instance for that, I guess. I think a perfect example. I noticed this when you when I read, when when you said that uh my boy like uh watched Action Bronson first and like 
noisy or these interviews that he was doing or like uh he heard his story and then he listened to action bronson after said this guy's hilarious let me check him out yeah i think that i think that actually even just happened with uh pat stay i just seen him post the action bronson interview and it was like this guy's hilarious i gotta check some of his music now so it's like they buy into you as a person there's something you can relate to i find it just it digs a little deeper than just hearing the song or whatever if they have a if you feel like you actually know that person or you feel like you were in the room with them, you know what I mean? While they're doing whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The album Rap Music is out right now. People can cop it on iTunes. Uh, you took the longest on this album than any other album. And usually things happen in between albums for people to live life, experiences, struggles, all that good stuff to make a great album. So what happened in between of the releases between the last album and Rap Music? Um... You know what? I always say that I think I think like 26, 27 is when people get into their prime. For some reason, it always happens. Like if you look at Eminem, what was that when he first kind of blew up? I think he was like 27 or 28. And then you look at uh, Jay-Z's first album, 26. You look at uh, Emin- or, uh, Kanye West, I think was like 27. So I'm not sure if there's a way to put it in words, but I think like a simple way to describe it would be that I think you learn yourself better than you have ever known yourself at that age. Like, you finally know who you are. You're finally comfortable with who you are as a person, and you know your lane, and there's no more shots in the dark as much. You kind of you got it all mapped up and figured out at that age. And I think I really came into that and really found out who I was on this one. Uh, so the, the album is called uh, Rap Music, and in the self-titled track, Rap Music, uh, in the chorus, you're like, don't even label this, label this as rap music. So... <laughs> Kind of sounds like an oxymoron. Yeah, the album's called Rap Music. You have a song called Rap Music, and you're like, don't label this rap music. What do, what are you trying to say there? Yeah, that was kind of like, that was kind of the reason, like, that I did that. And it was like, it was almost like uh, if you heard the song Dance Song on Corrado off the last project. It's labeled Dance Song, but it's the furthest thing from a dance song you could get. And I think just, I think as far as rap music, me not wanting to be labeled, that just was always a thing. It was like, there's such, like, when you say... I don't know, just say a girl brought me home to meet her father or something like that. He's like, how you doing, son? Good to meet you. Uh, what do you do? I'm a rapper. Like, in his head, what is he, like, he honestly is going to have all these, like, negative connotations or these thoughts and all this. And it was just like, you know what, don't even put me in the, this bucket anymore. I just want to make music and do whatever I want. And it brings it back to, like, even the Summertime Wind thing. It's like, you can't make a song like that. You, you're an underground rapper. It's like, I'm nothing. I'm a person who makes music, and it shouldn't have a label on it. I shouldn't have to do anything I don't want to do. And I should be able to just follow my heart and do what I do. And that was kind of, I think, the whole meaning behind it because labels can confine a person right exactly. and you don't want to be boxed in because we're human beings and at the end of the day we don't want to be uh, closed off in any way possible so when this album came out you uploaded the Instagram picture you're like I put more heart soul money and emotion and time into this album than I can even put into words uh, what's a m- memorable moment that you can share with us during the making of this album that you are not going to forget I think it wasn't even during the making. Well, I guess it was during the process of this album. But I remember maybe like five months ago being like, all right, the album's done. And I remember sitting down. It wasn't even called rap music. It was called Fine Wine. And it was like it had some like different styles of music on there. Like some of it was almost close to Summertime Wind, like stuff like that. And I remember sitting down and like I I picked the album and I was like, here's the 14 songs. And then I went home and listened to it. And I was just like, man, this album is not done this is not what I want to give the world right now. 
And then it kind of like motivated me to go harder and harder. And it's like, this is not me. I felt like, also I felt like the real, the listeners want to hear real lyricism right now more than ever. So it's like, I do that my whole career. And then at the very point where they want that from me, I turn around and go the opposite way. And it's like, this doesn't make sense to me at all. So like at that point, I just went hard and just start, started going in and just made what is called now rap music. So... What, what what was that like realization that you you said that no the album's not done yet and this is not like what made you realize that? I think just listening back, like listening, having the fourteen songs like back to back, and like being like this is the album because we had like forty songs and I remember I went into the studio with Corey and like I picked my album, you know what I mean, and then I finally took it home and listened to it like this is my album and. I just realized it's like this is not my album. This is this is not gonna pop off like this is weak. <laughs> Speaking about uh, risks, yeah, like and on the song "Love Me Anyway," you said if you if you don't feel fear, you're not risking enough. Uh, what is the risk that you took that you feel happy that you took that risk? And maybe you might have been scared at that time, or maybe second guessing yourself, but you still took a risk, and you're like, "Yo, that paid off," or "I'm happy about doing that thing." Um, I think just being like having it's hard to travel alone i think and then i was scared to do it like for the longest time but now since then like i've jumped on planes and went to atlanta for the a3c festival by myself you know what i mean and i had a great time there got to meet styles p mystical bunch of you know what i mean and it was just crazy and even for this here i jumped on a plane by myself came up to toronto and i used to have that fear i think was just like traveling alone and you know what i mean i'm not the most social person like you know what i mean so it's just that that, that was kind of like a fear or like something that was outside of my comfort zone and i think that um you know, I stepped out of that comfort zone, and the more that I do it now, is is better. I realize this is what I should be doing. This is what I have to do, and this really pays off when I go to these places and just grind and just do it. Yeah, because you uh, you know people are yeah are afraid about going by themselves, but it can also hold you back if you're always depending on a homie or a friend like yo like yeah. they might not have the money to like pay for flights or whatever, yeah. and then it can hold you back and make you stay in one place. Especially getting out is really really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vi- uh, the song Picket Fence the video is out now. Um, in the song you say I'm too hard for the good girls and too soft for the hood girls. <laughs> uh, what about your personality or who you are? You think is uh, what makes you too soft for the hood girls and too hard for the good girls? I don't think that line is necessarily about my personality. I think I think that line is their perception of me. Oh, okay. So I think I think that uh, you know, like a rich girl or whatever, a girl who's well off from a different neighborhood than I'm from, might look at me and be like, "Oh, well, he's a rapper. Like I can't, you know, I can't. What am I gonna date a rapper now? Like you know what I mean?" And then maybe some girls who had it worse than me or had a unfortunate living situation growing up you know that was on the other side of the fence and i'd be like well i don't i don't rock with him i don't i don't fuck with his music like he's soft he's whack like they don't they maybe don't identify with me so that's all i kind of meant by that Mm -hmm. so the album i think it peaked at like uh number six on the itunes chart Uh, number four like along like who was it higher than that number four uh number four was higher than i think joey badass I think it was higher than uh, Big Sean at the time. I think number one was Kid Ink, number two was J. Cole, three was Nicki, and then four was me at the highest point that it was. That's amazing, man. So tell me about your supporters because I've been seeing the tweets that people are are saying, yo, I'll buy this album as a gift to someone who wants it. Like, Mm -hmm. Tell me about the feedback that you've been getting from your fans and the people out there. 
a lot of people have been telling me that this is the best project yet. And uh, I feel like on the last album, there was a few skippers, a few joints that you had to skip. And I, I kind of realize that now. But I truly feel like this is an album you could sit down and put in from front to back and not skip a song. And that seems to be the feedback. And, and also some feedback I was getting was that every song has its own identity. Like no song is like the other, which is kind of cool, I think. And they all fit so well together. I agree. Uh, someone asked you on Twitter, where do you get your inspiration from? And you said daily conversations. What's all that, we'll, we'll Take us to one conversation that, you know, had inspired you and maybe inspired a song. The most memorable one, I would say, that just off the top of my head is uh, Set You Free off the Book of Matthew album. And I was sitting at work. Uh, I work at Scotiabank part-time. So we're sorting the mail in the mornings. And uh, I work with a guy named Justin across the street. And he was just like, man... And he still lived at home. He's a younger guy, so he still lived at home. And he's like, he's like, man, I had this girl come over last night. She's like, snuck in, snuck in, and snuck out the basement door. He's like, God loved the basement door. And I was like, man, I grew up with a basement door. I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then that's kind of what led to the song "Set You Free." And another thing actually came from the work table as well. The "I Hate Money" joint off the last album, Corrado. Um, Another guy I work with, Andrew, we're just talking, and then he's like, my car broke down, he's like, my rent's due, he's like, uh, my shoes are all scuffed up, he's like, fuck, I hate money. And I was like, ding, 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 and it just popped into my head, like, these are all the reasons why you hate money. There's two examples right there. Those are awesome. Uh, I saw a tweet where you said, I know I am about to record something special. I'm just throwing it out there, so when you hear it, and I come, I come back to this, and I can say, I told you so. Uh, do you have that intuition sometimes or do you have intentions when you're about to record something? Do you ever think about it or do you just go in with the flow? Uh, what, 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 is that, what is it like when you're about to you know, get behind a microphone and, and just you know, spit? Um, I think sometimes uh, having a little bit too much wine makes me think that every song is the greatest of all time <laughs> until I wake up in the morning. We have this thing, me and Corey, uh, he's my engineer, I'll be like, because I'll be all buzzed up. I'll be like, this is the best song we've ever done, ever. And I'll be, he'll be like, we'll see if it passes the morning test. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we'll listen to it in the morning. So then I'll ask him sometimes, like, do you think this one's going to pass the morning test? He's like, yes, definitely, definitely. But yeah, if I have a few drinks, I think everything's the greatest of all time. I don't know why. Just for some reason, I get real excited. Like, I'm, a, I, I'm like that. But uh, some of them I do know. Like, Picket Fence, I knew right away. I was like, this is going to be something special. Like, this is going to be something serious and I, I played it for one of my close friends Dickie who grew up in my neighborhood and who said that line uh, he used to call me like and be like we're going to the club tonight I'm like so should we dress up preppy or thug like how, how are we gonna do it tonight and that was the guy that called me but I played it for him and he's just like honestly best song you've ever made in your life so it's like I knew this one was gonna be good and I have certain friends around me that you know they have uh, different opinions so like I'll show two people from opposite ends of the spectrum and I'll see what their reaction is. And if they both like it, then I know that it's going to be dope. Like, for example, I have a friend, Tommy. Uh, he says, You Ain't Me is the worst song on the album. And a bunch of people have hit me up and been like, You Ain't Me is the best song on the album. So it's just, it's so weird. Like, I know I know just from close friends, certain reactions, what's going to be what. And I can kind of gauge it off that, including my own opinion. That's a good way to test it out, that you know you have a hit. Uh, so you talked about uh, your your engineer and producer Corey Larue, and so Neon Dreams consists of your producer DJ Corey Larue and your drummer Adrian Morris, 
and they got signed to Waka Flocka recently. Tell me about that and that type of how does that make you feel and what is is that what what does it make it seem like it's possible for you as an artist when people succeed around you are like get deals with Waka Flocka as an example? Yeah, I think it's incredible because honestly, Corey Larue and all those boys. They work harder than anyone I've seen, you know, and they're literally in the studio every single night from for hours, for 12 hours every single night. Like, and they have been for the past year from what I've seen. So it's just like they deserve it, and they're talented dudes. So it's, I was so happy for them, man. It, it was crazy how it actually happened because I was opening for Waka, and a lot of people were even saying, oh, he doesn't fit that show. Why is he opening for Waka? He's not like that kind of music. So we were like, should we even do this? Like, like I should just drop off this show. Like, let's not do this. Because a lot of people were bickering or whatever. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. So we do it. And then after the show, Corey, we're, we're leaving. And Corey's like, well, I think I forgot my laptop charger. The laptop charger's in his backpack the whole time. But he thinks he forgot it. So he goes back to the dressing room area. And then he sees, uh, I think it was like Walker's management or something. And something happened where they were overheard something about like, yeah, we need these EDM beats. And he's like, you know what? I got EDM beats right here on my phone. He's like, you should check these out. And then he Walker put on the wireless headphones or whatever. And he played the first one. He's like, that is ridiculous. Crazy. Played the second one. He's like, two for two. And it went all the way up. I think he played them like six beats. And he's like, you're six for six. So Walker just loved his beats from that point on. And that's how it kind of happened, which is crazy. And it's just it just goes to show, like, anything can happen at any time. Like, you think you forgot your laptop cord when you have it the whole time. And you go back and you meet him. or And there was a chance we might not have done the show because people said we didn't fit the show or whatever. And it just all aligned up, like... Things happen for reasons. I truly believe that. And it's amazing when a lot of artists nowadays, they, they try to give CDs or like business cards right away to like a walker, like not even, you know, uh, they try so hard is what I'm trying to say. But then when you don't even try, things happen like that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I, I think a big thing I've noticed was uh, when I went to the A3C Festival in Atlanta, every single person you walk by gives you a CD. So I had about 38,000 CDs in my in my backpack or whatever when I was going home. I haven't listened to not one of them yet. And it just kind of showed me. I didn't bring CDs, and I was kind of like, I'm an idiot for this. I should have brought CDs up, but I didn't for some reason. And I kind of learned. I was like, you know what? Making a relationship or a friendship is more important than just saying, here's my music. And the people I've kept in touch with were the people I just connected with on a human level, like splitting a cigarette with or whatever having a drink at the bar and just talking and you know what I mean and that almost goes back to the question about um, you have to like someone as a person first before you can get into the music so it's just like I don't know that really showed me and I don't think anyone's ever got signed by like by saying oh here's my CD oh, and someone listens to it oh that's the best artist in the world that doesn't happen like you know what I mean people want to be put on to your music organically and they want it to come from a natural place so I, I think I think you're right. Like, I, I don't think that uh, that pushiness is really an effective way at all. Or, like, tweeting celebrities on Twitter, like, check my new album. Like, you think they're going to actually check your album? Like, I see on Instagram posts all the time, like, uh, like on you just say on Drake's one, it'll be like, Drake, call me, and it'll leave the number. Like, yeah, that's what he's going to do. He's going to wake up, see your post on Instagram when there's 13,000 comments, and he's going to call you. Like, makes no sense to me. Like, get a life. Get real. Like, it doesn't exist. Like, the ones I love is when they say they don't even like they say yo hit me that that's it those are the yeah. yo hit me yeah. <laughs> hit yeah. you where how yeah. what yeah. like what, what? it's crazy what are you man. About? who are you 
Um, uh, the song uh, Second Guessing Is it Second Guess? Yeah, Second Guess is what it's called And I think that we all second guess ourselves Especially when we're are pursuing our dreams Which is a challenging journey Where you look at yourself And sometimes you just feel like shit And you're like, why don't I just get a 9 to 5 Or some shit like that What happens when you second guess yourself? How do you like overcome that, you know, a day when you're second guessing yourself All those thoughts that you have I don't know if I do overcome it I think I... Uh... I still don't even think I have overcame it. I just yeah. think it's natural to everybody. And I, but I feel like I might do it a little more than other people because the way my mind works is, I think, very, very quickly and very, very detailed. So, like, I'll be worried about something, like, three steps ahead, whereas if someone else hasn't even, got like, thought about that yet. Like, I can't, I can't give an example, like... You know, like I'll be like, well, what if this happens? Then that happens. Then this happens. Like three places away, and then I'll be like, you know, and then I have to tell myself, like, first of all, like, it, it, that's three places away before that happens. So worry about that bridge when you get there. But for some reason, my mind just thinks like that. So it is a curse. Like it does. It you know, it brings a lot of anxiety. It brings a lot of everything. But it is a gift because that's the reason my music is so detailed and so visual and so you know, relatable is because I do think deep and I do overthink way too much. So it's a gift and a curse. Take the f- first step in faith is, I think Martin Luther King says that, right? Like, because you don't want it, to, you don't want to, what do they call it, a paralysis of analysis. Analysis mm-hmm. of paralysis where you just analyze, where you just freeze and you don't, uh, you don't move. So you like uh, use a great marketing idea. I had this idea if I said if I was an artist, I would do this USB thing because mm-hmm. you could just give people about that. Uh, the USB uh, bracelet where you put your music on there and people can get admission to the show, I think. Uh, yeah. Tell me more about that and how was it loading the album on 300 USB sticks or bracelets? You know what? It didn't take <laughs> it didn't take as long as I thought it would. I was yeah. doing two at a time and it was, I just had, the, uh, I had it on copy. So I just hit control V, control V. And it, it didn't take that long at all, so it, it was kind of crazy. But the one good thing about this is everyone who woke up, who, who was blackout drunk at my show or whatever, woke up, still had the bracelet on their wrist. You know what I mean? How you wake up with the club bracelet still on your wrist. So I was like, why don't I put an album on that? Because, like, CDs, like, you know what I mean? They're going to get lost or frisbeed or thrown. So I thought it was just a cool way to do it. And a lot of computers now don't even have a CD drive anymore. So it's like I got to move towards the future, and that was kind of why I did that. And it's been how how has the feedback been on that? Oh, people are like genius idea, incredible idea, and I can't even take credit. Like I, I I didn't know where I got it from. It was kind of racking my brain, and then all of a sudden, my boy uh, Richcraft, his brother, hit me up. He's like, "Did you get that idea from James?" He was like when we went to South by Southwest, we did that. And I'm thinking back to like three years ago, and I'm like, "Damn, I did see that there first. So it was Richcraft's idea. So shout out to Richcraft. What do you want uh, when you look maybe 20 years from now? Uh, what do you want people to say about Quake, Matthews the rapper? I just want I want them to say that that's one of the best artists that to ever do it. And, you know, that sounds like a maybe a big, crazy, unreachable goal. But, mm-hmm. like, if that's not why we do this, then why are we doing it? And that's, that's just how I feel. I want to be the best at it. Like... Mm-hmm. And not saying just competition-wise, but I just want to be mentioned in that list, like, that goes down in history. Like, this guy is, like, on the list. Like, his name is written here, and it's for good. Like, so that's what I, I kind of want to go for. Mm-hmm. Now that the fourth album, fourth studio album is out and all that, what are, what are your goals, man? Are you, um, you know, more the type of, uh, like, hobby rapper where you want to get a full-time job and just rap for fun and, like, just to get stressed out? 
or are you trying to pursue this like all in or uh, w- what are you thinking in, uh, in that aspect? No, I'm definitely all in. Yeah. I'm all in. I'm all in for that. Like, and I, I didn't realize like how how much work all in took until recently. And because I have no manager right now and before that was all, everything was handled for me and now everything is done for me. And it's just, it, it makes you want to do more. The more, the busier you are, it makes you want to do more and more and more and more. And it's almost like an addiction. Like, you just want more, so it's kind of it's kind of cool right now because I'm just I'm working harder than I ever have, and I'm doing more than I ever have, and so it's it's all working out. And that's that's pretty cool, isn't it? You're 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 an entrepreneur basically, and you're what are the, some new skills and things that you're learning that you think you wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't have acquired, or things that you're doing that you don't think that you would have done before. Like, for one, is just like just writing writing people. I didn't I didn't realize that. You know, everyone's an email away. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I would sit there and complain, like, no one's covering my album or it doesn't. And I was like, you know what? I woke up one day and I hit every news station up in Halifax. And I ended up on every news station in Halifax <laughs> talking about my album. People were like, oh, he made it. Like, he's on the news. It's like, yeah, like, that's the perception. It's like, damn, all I did was just email them. Like, it's that easy. The work is so easy to do. And I find a lot of people complain. But it's just like, you just got to do it. It takes... 30 seconds like and it's just crazy like other things I do like I'm in I'm in Lawton's every day at the post office like shipping t-shirts and and uh USB bracelets and you know what I mean managing all that so it's just it's I don't know it feels good to be in control of my own destiny and doing everything myself but I might need some help at some point but mm-hmm. we'll see you'll get help when you definitely can't handle it and when, when you're too busy that's when you want to get a manager when the, when there is things real things to manage as well too yeah. Uh, wrapping up in our interview, man. Any last uh, thoughts and words that you want to say to the people listening to this podcast and uh, who are fans of Quake, and also uh, the people who are discovering Quake right now for the first time? I just want to say much love to all the fans who've been rocking with me, whether new or old. It's never too late, and I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Like honestly, these messages that people write me, it just it makes my day. So keep writing me, and I try to hit each and everybody back. So. And by the album, we work very, we work really hard on. It. I think it's a good piece of work. It's on iTunes right now. It's called Rap Music, so check it out. And yeah, thank you for the continued support. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Quay. Comment on the SoundCloud or the ComeUpShow.com if there's a certain part of the interview that you agree, liked, disagreed, whatever. Your feedback is appreciated. And make sure you subscribe and follow us right now if you haven't already. And if you're on iTunes, I'd appreciate if you could rate and subscribe our podcast as it'll help us climb the charts on the podcast. Make sure to check out my new interview we just released with Saba and Peep the Catalog. We probably have interviewed one of your favorite artists. This is your boy Chetto signing out for the Come Up Show podcast. Peace.